Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to Midweek in the Word. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, uh, I believe at this point it's our 25th episode. So if if you've been along for the ride this whole time, we're we're thrilled that you've been joining us. We do hope the podcast has been a help to you. Um, I suppose I should have some sort of a uh, a reward for anyone that's listened to all 25 episodes at, at this point. But uh, if, if you have, shoot me an email, let me know. Uh, maybe we'll get you a book or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but we appreciate your willingness to listen. Um, this is our, this is, like I said, our 25th episode. We're about halfway through the year. Um, and as always, you know my voice. I am Brad Myers, the adult ministries pastor at Faith Bible Church and this week for our 25th episode, uh, Pastor Tom is joining us again, our preaching pastor here at the church. Uh, Tom, welcome to our 25th episode. Yeah, it's our silver anniversary. That's a great thing. So yeah, uh, joining you this morning from the uh, grandkids Airbnb on South Street because uh, our water heater uh, sprung a leak and uh, so we're having a new one put in. So uh, anyway, uh, we're upstairs today. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I appreciate you coming back uh, for another episode. We'll keep we'll keep doing these as long as they're helpful uh, to our listeners. So so let us know if you have any questions or additional comments, thoughts that we can cover as we go through. Um, but t- today I wanna I wanna start off by sharing a quote, which I don't normally do. Um, but I ran into this quote in my preparation this week, and I just thought it was a really good way to start because it really resonates with I think the way many of us feel about the major biblical genre we'll be discussing today. Uh, listeners, see if you can guess what literary style Martin Luther was referring to when he said this. They have a queer way of talking, like people who, instead of proceeding in an orderly manner, ramble off from one thing to the next so that you cannot make head or tail of them or see what they are getting at. Uh, and I would guess many of you as listeners probably can sympathize with Luther uh, when you find yourselves reading from the biblical genre of prophetic literature, uh, the prophets in the Bible. Uh, it's an abstract, sometimes feels a bit random, um, and the content is of, oftentimes confusing to us. Uh, but we hope that this week on the podcast, we can give you some practical suggestions for how to read the prophets and maybe make them a little less intimidating for you. But uh, but before we get to that, before before we go into that topic a little bit more, I, I do want to come back to your sermon series, Tom, and, and update our listeners on where we're at in your Route 66 series, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, this last Sunday, uh, you had a prophet, which is part of the reason we're doing prophetic literature on the podcast. Uh, but specifically, you had the major prophet Isaiah. Uh, so what did we learn about God from the life of Isaiah on Sunday? Well, unpacking Isaiah was, uh, I, as I said, Sunday was probably the hardest sermon I have labored on for a long, long time. And mostly, I think, is because of trying to understand how to communicate it and then on the third read uh, last week, I, I started to see this vein, and it, it was God declaring who he is, probably best illustrated from chapter 42. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory. I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So what we learn about God is he is the living God, the sovereign God, and every other God is lifeless and is meaningless. 
It's a, it's a both an encouraging reminder and a painful reminder in light of the fact that Isaiah is calling the people out for the fact that they keep running to these deaf, yeah. mute idols uh, instead of the all-powerful God uh, whom they should be serving. Yeah, what a what a good reminder from the life of Isaiah. Uh, what about mankind? And maybe maybe I've already pulled your punch a little bit, and that's wow. the direction you were going with this question. Uh, but what what did the what did it reveal about ourselves about mankind? Well, I, I think the tendency of every man to to create a god that that he can control. Uh, mm. In Isaiah, you know, he talks about the the weight of your gods because you have to carry them from place to place. Their feet don't move for them. And mm. uh, but I, I think. What we learn about man is even even those who are elevated to the role of leadership, even the kings, uh, are are succumb to the seduction of false gods. Uh, um, one of the kings, he adopts the gods that of the nation that he defeated, which makes no sense if they couldn't protect their own people. <laughs> why would you worship right. them? And then on the other hand, you know, last week in in Isaiah, Ahaz he adopts the king's gods who did defeat him because he said, well, if those gods would help him beat me, then I'm going to worship those gods. But the, mm-hmm. the tendency of man is I just want a God I can make, I can control, and I can worship rather than submit to the true and living God. Mm. It is, it's painful uh, that we tend to think of our pluralistic society today as different from ancient Israel, uh, but uh, they were eager to run around and follow whatever God they thought could satisfy their desires and make them happy. And unfortunately, we are just as eager to run to anything except God, uh, both in good times and in bad times, unfortunately. Yeah, what a good reminder uh, from the people in the life of Isaiah. Finally, how did Isaiah, and maybe this is the easiest question, uh, given the passages we're familiar with in the book of Isaiah, uh, how did Isaiah point us to Christ? It's probably the most gospel-centered of all the Old Testament books, and uh, Mm. as we were wrapping up Sunday, we just listed seven very clear uh, statements about prophecies about the coming Christ and his virgin birth, his righteous reign, the one who will announce his arrival, that he himself is the message of good news. He is the sacrificial substitutionary lamb. Uh, he is the one that brings victory over the grave. And not only is he coming the first time, but he will come gloriously a second time. All of that is in the book of Isaiah. Hmm. Yeah, I know some of many people's favorite passages um, anticipating Christ come from the book of Isaiah, uh, specifically talking about the suffering servant um, and so many of those images we see of Christ there. Um Okay, so that's that's kind of it for last week. Uh, the book of Isaiah is obviously a, a kind of preeminent example of this genre, uh, this literary style we're going to be talking about of prophetic literature. It's one of the quote unquote major prophets. Um, but let's let's start by trying to build some groundwork here for our listeners. What what do we mean by the literary style or genre of prophecy in Scripture? Well, there, there are 15, depending on who uh, you're reading, there's 15 or 16 books called the books of the writings of the prophets. So we've been introduced to prophecy uh, and prophets from uh, the Genesis onward. Uh, but in particular, the writings of the prophets show up starting with Isaiah. And it is just basically, uh, it's like twofold message, it seems. It, it is either a, a spokesman for God that is giving a warning of coming judgment or a spokesman from God 
declaring that there will be forgiveness and restoration. So there, the texts are warnings as well as reminders of grace for the repentant. Okay. So these prophets are, are, are oracles, if we think about it that way, uh, from God. We, we always run into those, you know, the Lord says, the Lord says they're speaking yeah. on behalf of God. Um, yeah. What are some other key features that help us identify prophecy when we come across it in our Bibles? Well, they're, uh, as um, Luther said, they're a little challenging to read because they use a lot of word pictures, a lot of, mm. of uh, uh, word diagrams, illustrations, uh, a lot of sometimes mystical terms. Uh, they, they, they build relationships between the things that are familiar and the things that aren't. So uh, characteristically, they're not easy reads. Um, they're, uh, they're often telling a story that has a secondary application to it. Um, there, there, there's heavy warnings. There's, there's a lot of uh, doom and gloom kind of mm-hmm. tone to many of those. You have to read long before you come to a word of hope and encouragement. So that, I think that would be typical of a prophetic writing. Mm. Can't avoid the terminology, the, the day of the Lord or God's coming judgment, uh, yeah. no doubt in the prophets as we run across that, which maybe would lead some of our listeners to avoid it. It isn't exactly upbeat literature a lot of times. Uh, it is judgmental, some of that kind of thing that we think of. Um, Okay, so that so then I, I I temper my next question with that, uh, listeners. This is not to help you avoid reading the prophets, uh, but but Tom, where are the major and minor places in Scripture where prophetic literature is found? Well, it, the writings of the prophets is beginning with Isaiah, and like I said, uh, some people include Daniel as a, one of the major prophets, some do mm. not. But you've got the major and minor prophets of uh, Isaiah. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then Daniel, and then you've got the beginning with Hosea. So that would be the Old Testament section. There's also uh, prophetic uh, reading in uh, the Gospels, uh, speaking of not only the the living word is speaking on behalf of God, but oftentimes uh, proclaiming things that are yet future coming. And certainly uh, you've got apocalyptic literature in Revelation, and yet so much of it is also got a prophetic tone to it so it's a uh, it's similar uh, to apocalyptic reading and yet not exactly the same hmm. yeah and i listeners we will at some point uh, when we reach that be covering apocalyptic literature so that one is really it's related but uh, a little bit different so yeah. do look forward to that episode because we will be taking on that genre as well uh, but tom just real quick follow-up um you mentioned the, the major and minor prophets, uh, where does that terminology come from? What are we talking about there? Well, it, like you said, it's, it's not the same as the Farm League for the American uh, Baseball Association or uh, Major <laughs> League Baseball. You know, uh, you got, uh, you've got the minor leagues and the majors, uh, and we tend to read it that way. But it's just basically on the volume, the, the amount of material covered and the amount of history covered, uh, and also the broader, so the, the major prophets speak to a broader period of time more in detail and uh, a broader audience perhaps. The minor prophets seem to have a very focused, specific audience in mind, and they're much more uh, restrained in the time frames 
So hmm. uh, we got the 12 starting with Hosea, and then we got the majors, as I said before, starting with Isaiah. Very good. Very good. So so as we come to this, this genre of prophetic literature then, uh, what are the biggest obstacles you think we face uh, when we're trying to interpret them in the Bible? I think one is because of our intimidation, uh, we, we want, I think, to make them more complex than they are. Uh, I think one of the principles of reading them is just, just look for them with simplicity. Uh, the, uh, the words have meaning and don't immediately assume that there is a, there is a subtle subtweeting kind of message, but, uh, you know, if he's talking about Babylon, he's talking about Babylon and assume that, you know, when you get into apocalyptic, then suddenly Babylon means, you know, maybe something a little bit different, but, but basically, uh, to read those, um, you, you have to go in thinking simplistically. I think another obstacle is that they are a time, place in history. I think, if, I think if we understand the books of prophecy, the the sixteen from the Old Testament, they really only cover about three hundred years of uh, human history. And one of the obstacles is trying to understand what was going on historically. What's the historic context? of this message that's being delivered or declared. Hmm. Yeah, going back to some of the cultural and historical context that we've talked about in the past as well. If you didn't catch that episode, I'd encourage you to go back and check it out if you get the chance. Um, but Tom, moving on from that, when based upon these obstacles, then what, what are the mistakes you see people make uh, when they try to interpret biblical prophecy? A couple of things, I think. One is almost every one of these prophetic messages, you can find its historic setting in the books of the Kings or the Chronicles. And one of the mistakes is to just to, to, to restrict your reading to the text in front of you and not look at it in its uh, biblical context. Um, I, I think another one is uh, people have a tendency when you hear the, the misuse of it, they have, a, they have a tendency, I think, to concentrate on too small a section. Um, so they, rather than, than read on the bigger picture and let it picture, they just, they just try to slice it down to a verse. It's not a verse-by-verse verse kind of read, but it's a, it's a narrative-by-narrative narrative read that is important. Uh, I think the other one is to immediately default to the mystical, or uh, there, is a, there is a secondary meaning here, uh, for forgetting that that many times whatever the if it's a foretelling uh, that that there is probably the fulfillment of that prophecy in in the proximity of the time there may be a future second fulfillment to the prophetic word but uh, too many times I think we read prophecy and we try to project it way out in the future from us somewhere rather than mm -hmm. to read it and say how, how did how did God fulfill his word then. So mm. keeping it historically grounded again, I think is critical. Mm. And if, and if I may going kind of on to that, one of the, one of the things that I, that I see a lot of people make is, is, is something you mentioned in your message. And that, that is that a lot of the prophets are, are just, they're not foretelling the future. They're, they're just speaking to what God has already laid out in the old Testament law. 
and yeah. and showing how the people aren't co- being consistent. You know, I think I think I I, I read um, at one point that basically ninety some percent of all prophetic literature isn't new future information. It's just a restatement of Deuteronomy and the Old Testament law and showing the people that they're not they're, they're not living yeah. up to it. And we yeah. kind of get interested in the foretelling stuff rather yeah. than the message of the prophets, which is primarily telling the people how they're not living consistent with the covenant that God has already laid out with them. Yeah, you, you had already uh, alluded to that, but it, so much of it is thus says the Lord. And uh, that's, mm. um, it's, it's probably not a new word from the Lord, but God has spoken. Let me remind you. And, uh, and, and again, because it, it seems like the, the two angles reading the prophets, he's, he is warning them that if they don't repent, there will be judgment. God's consistent mm-hmm. faithful with his word, his love for you requires mm-hmm. that. And that, or the other side is uh, even what, what is the promise of blessing if there's repentance that comes. And oftentimes uh, the warning is the judgment's right around the corner. The reward for repentance may be down the road a ways, um, mm-hmm. but, but trying to read it in that setting and say, what did the people hear? and How did they respond? Yeah, that's good. So let's let's try and get a little bit practical here there for our listeners, Tom. Um, so what are some some key interpretive principles that we can really apply um, and keep in mind as, as we come across this genre in Scripture? Oh, it, I, I think it's a good place to default to the old formula again of coma. Uh, context is critical. Uh, the historic context is uh, where does where does it set? in the biblical narrative. Like I said, uh, uh, almost all the prophets that have written, you can find the historic setting by looking in the Kings, the Chronicles, or like you said, back in the, in the era of the Exodus. So I think that's the first principle is be aware of the context and uh, do the work there. I think the second one is read literally uh, as you're making your observations, just, just, just note the things that are most easy to understand and, uh, and, and just let the words have their meaning. Uh, I think another one is to uh, look for fulfillment. It ha- how did this work itself out? What, and uh, yeah, the other one would probably is, is there any other prophet that spoke to the same people at the same time? And mm-hmm. is this message consistent with the one that they were proclaiming? So there's a lot of harmony. You know, during the time of Isaiah, there were there were three other published prophets ministering to the same people at the same time. So uh, reading them in comparison or in sequence helps also with interpretation. Hmm. Yeah, very good. If if I can attempt to summarize a little bit, and and maybe our listeners will be tired of us saying this over and over and over again, but it's context, 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 guys. You know, we've said it. I don't know how many times. It is, it is one of those things where you know, remember the historical context of what's going on. Remember that they lived in a different nation at a different time than we did. So not all of the the principles and the things, either the judgments or the blessings. Or, or the situation applies directly to you as an individual or us as a nation. Um, remember the context of other literary books. Remember to read the whole book um, rather than just pulling out specific pieces and, and read other books that are prophetic books in the similar time. 
um, that relate to the subject of what's being what's being condemned, especially what action on the part of Israel is 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 being condemned. Is it is it uh, persecution of the poor? Is it idolatry? Is it making treaties with other foreign nations? Um, some of those kind of things that are that are spelled out in the covenant um, that the people have then broken. Um, and we do encourage you, you know, don't don't be intimidated by by this genre. A lot of times there's a tendency to skip over, especially the minor prophets and the Old Testament. But there is great wealth um, and great encouragement present. Um, there's a remembrance of God's holiness and righteousness that we need to hear um, today as believers uh, in those Old Testament prophets, especially. So we would encourage you to engage with them um, and just remember some of the principles that Tom has talked about. Any any final thoughts on this subject, Tom, before we move into next week's sermon? Well, yeah, I, I think hitchhiking on what you just said, I, the coma is context, observation, meaning, and application. And I was just, as you were speaking, I was just looking at uh, Paul's note in uh, Romans 15, where you know, he says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our mm. instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So uh, those prophetic words, uh, you know, the, the little book of promises often extracts from, from the prophets, you know, little snippets, and we claim those. Uh, you know, I, I think probably the most uh, abused is people pulling out, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and we right away make America the new Israel, and we start to say, well, but, but what's the encouragement there is that, that we humble ourselves and we pray and we trust the mm-hmm. Lord. So, so I, I think the encouragement is, as you're reading, don't just say, well, this has nothing to do with me. This applies to another people. No, there, there are lessons here that can be applied to our own walk with the Lord that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So we see the same God in his faithfulness to his people. And uh, so look for the, at, having done your diligence in interpretation, don't stop before you ask the Lord, what's the application to my walk and my life? Amen. That's a good reminder for all of us. Uh, we do hope it's helpful uh, to you as listeners and, and, uh, um, and that you're not as intimidated going into the books of the prophets. Uh, even though you are in good company, if Martin Luther struggled, uh, odds are you're not strange if you have a little bit of trouble uh, with the readings of the prophets. Uh, but Tom, let's let's put a pin or wrap up on that subject, and let's, let's move into this coming Sunday as you continue your Route 66 series. Um, and you have chosen Hezekiah as your next major character to bring the story forward. Uh, what are you looking forward to preaching on on Sunday? Well, Hezekiah is, is, he's displayed for us in three different panels. There is Second Kings account of his life, and that the emphasis there is on military victory and, uh, and you know, commander-in-chief leadership. He's described in Isaiah, and the issue there is, will he trust in the living God, or will he default to trusting in the military forces of the neighbors? like his predecessor, like his father himself did. And then mm-hmm. in Second Chronicles, the emphasis is on his role in relationship to the temple. And so uh, you know, we're really looking forward to, to painting those three panels with the primary emphasis on his relationship to the reopening of the temple. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. What about interpretive questions? Any tricky things you're wrestling with in the in the text in the life of Hezekiah? Well, I, I probably those three is is why why three different perspectives on the same individual, and the big one is is why Hezekiah uh, Isaiah highlights him for a reason. So just why why is it that at this at this moment in history did God put the spotlight on this particular king of all the others? Hmm. And then lastly, how can we prepare our hearts for the message? Well, I, I think that all of us are faced with a temptation to uh, to trust in things we can manage. And uh, Hezekiah is confronted with the same kind of problems we all are. And, and that is when the trials come and the difficulties come, where will I put my hope, my confidence, and my trust? And uh, if we trust in the living God, we will often be mocked by those around us. Uh, Hezekiah was, but uh, will we have the courage to lean totally and completely and only on the living one? Hmm. Good deal. We'll look forward to hearing more about that from you on Sunday, Tom. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us, listeners, uh, for our 25th episode. Uh, Remember, if you're following along in the weekly reading, uh, this week in preparation of King Hezekiah, uh, we have 2 Kings 18 through 20. Um, And I do just want to remind you again that we would love to hear your questions. As you're reading through the text for yourself, as you find yourselves in Isaiah or Kings or Chronicles or wherever, if you run into some questions, uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to address those questions on the podcast uh, for both you and other listeners that probably have the same questions you do. So shoot us an email if you get the chance. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you're looking for more information on this subject, we would highly recommend uh, both the Bible Project video. uh, It's How to Read the Bible. Uh, the prophets specifically. It's about a five-minute video, really good content. We'll link it in the watch button on the on the website under the under the podcast tab. And we'd also encourage you to check out How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon and Fee. We've recommended their book in the past. Um, they have a specific chapter on biblical prophecy that would be really encouraging if you need more information. Uh, finally, just know that we are looking forward to seeing some of you on Sunday. Uh, Whether you're able to join us in person or whether you'll be participating in the worship service from home, uh, we're thrilled that you're staying engaged. If you you are interested in coming, don't forget to RSVP and let us know that you'll be coming so we know to expect you. And finally, if... if, if you continue studying this week, just know um, that we uh, we are praying for you and praying for your uh, efforts to understand the Word of God and apply it for yourselves. Uh, specifically, we're praying uh, that God would help you understand uh, the prophetic books, even as challenging as they are. And we hope you join us again next week as we continue the podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, Be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.